0: If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Acts chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, pull it up on your phone. That'd be fine. Acts chapter 11. If you're new with us, we're working through this book of the Bible. Been at it for some time. We'll be at it for a while. My family, we just got back from the Frio River. We kind of our last hurrah for the summer. Got away to the Frio River, which we love to do. But I was fighting throat and head stuff the whole time and still fighting it a little bit this morning. Don't feel 100%. So uh, I would appreciate just you praying for me as um, we work through God's Word together this morning. And as we begin, let's pray. Father in heaven, we do love your glory. You are God and there is no other. You are the creator, the sustainer, the guide of all things. You are sovereign, you are holy, you are righteous, you are good, you are love. You are God and we worship you. And we love your gospel. That when we uh, sinned, you in your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your love, you came on rescue mission for us in the person of your Son. The eternal Son of God became a man for us and for our salvation. Came to live for us and die upon a cross for us and rise for us such that the arms of God are open wide to sinners who will humbly come confessing their sins and taking hold of Christ. We can be forgiven. We can be reconciled to you. We can be made a part of your family forever more. We rejoice in that. We rejoice in your word this morning. and pray that you would give us eyes to see what you would have for us. Would you encourage us? Would you comfort us? Would you, through your word and the ministry of your spirit, spur us on to greater love, greater holiness, greater mission? build us up in our most holy faith strengthen us for what you would have for us our brothers and sisters that are traveling this weekend we pray your mercies upon them our brothers and sisters that are sick recovering we pray your healing for them God, help us, help us to joyfully follow you in the midst of the ups and the downs, the knowns and the unknowns, the highs and the lows. Help us to be filled with joy as we follow Jesus. And oh God, would you use every one of us to help others do the same. We'll pray this in Jesus' name amen. We're in Acts chapter 11 verses 19 and following. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, chapter 10 was a big chapter. It was Peter getting this vision from the Lord of a sheep coming down with these unclean animals, and he was told to kill and eat. And Peter said, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And God said to him three times over, what I considered Clean, don't you consider unclean? More specifically, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. Three times. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. And through some providential events, Peter was taken to a Gentile's home, Cornelius's home. And there, Cornelius had his Gentile family and his Gentile friends there to hear. What Peter had to say. And Peter preached the gospel to them. The same gospel that he had preached to the Jewish audience in Acts chapter 2, that same gospel he preached to the Gentiles, Cornelius, his family and friends. And they heard the gospel, they believed, and the Holy Spirit was given to them, Peter said, just as he was given to us in the beginning, to the Jews in Acts chapter 2. In chapter 11, we saw last week that the leadership in Jerusalem wasn't too excited about this. They had some questions about it in verse 1. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him. Those who were circumcised. Those were the Jewish Christian believers. They took issue, Peter... You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. And We saw last week from chapter 11, verse 18, when they heard this, they would quieted it down. They were probably pretty loud about this as they took issue with Peter. What are you doing going to the Gentiles' homes and eating with them? And Peter shared his story of how God had revealed to him, in verse 9, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And how he went to Cornelius' house and how he shared the gospel and how the Holy Spirit in verse 15 fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them, the Gentiles, the same gift as he gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they of verses 1 2 and 3 those who were taking issue with him when they heard this they quieted down and glorified god saying well then god has granted to the gentiles also the repentance that leads to life significant stuff the gospel had gone to the jews in chapter 2 jesus had died risen given his final instructions to the to the disciples and then ascended back into heaven In chapter 2, gave his spirit, and Peter preached, and some 3,000 Jewish people put their faith in Jesus Christ, and the church was born. In Acts chapter 8, a significant step was taken by Philip, who took the gospel to the Samaritans. The Samaritans were half Jewish, half Assyrian, and there had been 700 years of enmity between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. In the Gospel of Luke, John, the beloved disciple, even said to Jesus, Would you like us to call down fire upon the Samaritans? There was enmity between these two groups. They didn't much like each other. And yet Philip, in Acts chapter 8, takes the Gospel to them, preaches the Gospel. They believe, and a church is born. And the leadership in Jerusalem is not so sure about it. They send Peter and John to Samaria to check it out. And Peter and John go, and they see that indeed these Samaritans have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And as they went back to Jerusalem, Peter and John were stopping in Samaritan villages preaching the gospel of Christ. And so in chapter 2, the gospel goes to the Jews. In chapter 8, it goes to the Samaritans. And now in chapter 10 and 11, it's going to go to the Gentiles. And Peter has to have his visions And the Jerusalem church has to figure it out, but indeed they do. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Now, the very next paragraph is going to be a church planted 300 miles north of Jerusalem made up predominantly of Gentiles. It's going to be an international church. And it's going to be a vibrant church. Let's take a look. Verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen. That's going way back to chapter 7 and early parts of chapter 8. When Stephen preached his message and was killed for it. And persecution arose in Jerusalem and the believers "...fled Jerusalem, and they began as they fled to share Christ. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, that's up along the western coast of Israel, and Cyprus, that's an island in the Mediterranean just west of Israel, and to Antioch, 300 miles north, speaking the word to no one except Jews." alone again this is the the main thinking of the church that this gospel this messiah has come to fulfill the promises to the jewish nation and this gospel is for them and of course we've seen that god is teaching them something more it's not just for the jews it's also for the samaritans and chapter 10 and early parts of 11 the gentiles also Verse 20, but there were some, there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And so again, if you like to do this kind of thing, back in chapter 10, verse 45, the Gentiles also. In chapter 11, verse 1, the Gentiles also. Chapter 11, verse 18, the Gentiles also. Verse 20, the Greeks also. Not only are they going to the Jews, but they're also taking the gospel to the Greeks also, to the Gentiles also. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. I'm not sure this is Luke's point in giving us these verses, but I just want to make this side point before we head on to verses 22 and following. This wonderful church, this vibrant church, and we're about to see its vibrancy in just a minute. This wonderful church is born of the efforts of good men and women, laboring for the Lord, accompanied by His mighty hand. you can see it in verse 20 there were some of them and they went out preaching the Lord Jesus these brothers leaving Jerusalem and heading to Phoenicia and some to Cyprus and some to Antioch were taking risks and laying it on the line that others might hear of the gospel of Jesus They were taking the gospel. They were going for it. It's interesting. F.F. Bruce calls them, well, many of the commentators note that these, these folks are unnamed. We don't know who they are. We don't know that it's Philip or that it's Stephen or that it's Peter or that it's Paul. It's just some. They're unnamed, but... F.F. Bruce calls them daring spirits. We might call them, as we did Philip back in chapter 8, a pioneering spirit. These are men, these are women who are going to go for it. And yet, it's not just them who are on the go preaching Jesus, but what also has to be there is the hand of the Lord with them. Their service and their preaching of the gospel along with the hand of the Lord and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. I just want to make the point that this is the way that ministry works, is it not? Not just the planting of international churches like this one, but any ministry that we do for the Lord Jesus. It's it's God's people With God's good hand upon them it's you filled with the Spirit of God wherever it is you go or in whatever avenues you might serve here at Redeemer or outside these walls it's you going going and serving and laboring and doing what you do with a diligence but also with a dependence knowing that God must be in it and that his good hand must be upon me and upon us. They didn't let go and let God. Boy, it really would be cool if there was a beautiful, vibrant, wonderful international church planted up there in Antioch. Wouldn't that be great? Well, let's just let go and let God do it. Has He done it yet? Nope, not yet. Well, let's just let go and let God. Has He done it yet? No, not yet. Right? They didn't just let go and let God. They understood that Jesus had said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What's the old deal? We don't lean on a shovel while praying for a ditch, right? You got your shovel, you're kind of leaning on your shovel. Lord, I pray you'd give me a ditch. Any ditch yet? Nope. Lord, please, give me a ditch while we're leaning on our shovel, right? But neither do we neglect our prayers for a ditch while laboring with a shovel. It's just the way ministry is we labor but we're praying oh god would you give me strength to keep at it oh god would you bless the work that we're doing lord i want to go in faithfulness i want to serve in faithfulness but you've got to come through your good hand has got to be upon it here's a verse you don't need to turn there but first peter as he's speaking peter's writing to the church And he's talking to them about spiritual gifts and using their spiritual gifts for the good of others. And he says in chapter 4, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God whoever speaks is to speak as it were the utterances of God whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever so as God gives us we serve but we do so in recognition of the strength which God supplies So, Redeemer, let's be diligent. Maybe you serve in our kids' ministry. Maybe you serve in our student ministry. Maybe you serve in our greeting ministry. Maybe you serve in our worship ministry. Let's be diligent. Let's be be faithful. Let's be prayerful. That as we labor, that the good hand of God would be upon us and would bless. Well, in verse 22, the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. So here again, we see this idea of chapter 8, when Philip had gone to the Samaritans, and the church in Jerusalem said, the who believed the gospel? The Samaritans? Peter, John, why don't you all go check that out? And when Peter had his vision and went to The Gentiles' home, they called him in. Peter, whoa, 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 what are you doing going to a Gentile's house? Maybe here, as they hear that a large number of Gentiles have come to faith, they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Barnabas is sent, and if you know anything about Barnabas, what an incredible man for them to send. He shows up first in Acts chapter 4. His name is Joseph, and yet it appears the apostles gave him a nickname. And his nickname was Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. This brother was so sweet and was so kind and so encouraging and so comforting they gave him a nickname hey man you're the son of encouragement in chapter 9 you'll remember whenever Paul comes to faith in Jesus the persecutor of the church is met on the Damascus Road by Jesus and he's he's radically changed and there in Damascus he begins to proclaim Jesus and yet People are seeking to kill him, so he leaves Damascus and he comes down to Jerusalem. And he goes to the church meeting, and all the Christians are scared to death of Paul, because the last time they saw him, he was fire-breathing persecutor of the church. And yet Barnabas put his hand, his arm around him, and said, "Hey, everybody, this is Paul. Yeah, he was the persecutor of the church, but now he's come to know Jesus. He's one of us, and he was the son of encouragement that helped." introduce Paul into the life of the church, and now here they send this man to encourage them with resolute heart. Now, this church is marked, first of all, by the grace of God. I might change it a little bit. I'm not so sure, but maybe the idea here is, and for all of us to consider, is this work up there legitimate? It seems the church in Jerusalem wants to know what's going on in Antioch. Large numbers of Gentiles. Not just Cornelius and a few others, but bunches and bunches. Barnabas, go check it out. And he goes and he checks it out, and the way Luke describes it is the grace of God. John Stott says maybe it's at least two things the international flavor of this church and the life change in their lives you can imagine maybe how this went here's Barnabas he's he's known essentially the Jerusalem church made up essentially of Jewish Christians And he's heard what Philip did, and I'm sure the son of encouragement, he was thrilled about that. And he heard what Peter had done with Cornelius and how the Gentiles now are coming to faith in Jesus. And now he hears what's happening in Antioch, and maybe he's the one who said, hey, I'll go. And Barnabas, who's been a part of the church in Jerusalem, which is almost exclusively made up of Jewish believers, goes up to Antioch, asks around, hey, where do the Christians meet? They said, oh, you can find them over there. And he walks into a room far different than anything he'd seen in Jerusalem. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. The scholars tell us that Antioch at this time probably had 500,000 people in it. It had a large Jewish population because of its incredible location from the east to the west. It also had a large Oriental population of Persians and Indians and all the way from China. And as that trade went back and forth to the west, it also would have had Greek people there as, as well as Latin people from Rome and even all the way to Spain. Here is a city of a makeup much different than Jerusalem. It's got people from all over the world. And here they are, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing and coming together. Probably would have been awesome to have seen it. So the international flavor of this church maybe part of what Luke is describing as the grace of God. When he arrived, he witnessed the grace of God and probably also their life change. Maybe Barnabas walked in and saw all of that, sat down and said, "Wow, everybody, tell me what's going on up here." And maybe there was a wife with tears running down her face, saying, "Oh Barnabas, it's the grace of God. My husband is a different man. Ever since he heard the good news of Jesus Christ, he's different. Maybe there was a, a man there just shaking his head and said, Oh, Barnabas, my life has radically changed. Because of Jesus Christ. Anger just used to consume me. My wife could do the littlest thing, or my kids could do the littlest thing, or somebody at work could do the littlest thing, and I would just blow up because they weren't jumping through my hoops. And yet all of a sudden in the gospel, I realize that God has been so kind to me. He's got every reason in the world to be angry at me, and yet He's been so kind and gracious in sending Jesus to forgive me and that thought has just exploded in my heart and I don't get angry like I did anymore or maybe there was a young couple there maybe Barnabas turned to them and said tell me about it what's going on and they said oh Barnabas this gospel has changed our lives We've been living a life of immorality, but since we've become Christians, we've committed to live a life of purity and we have plans to get married. Maybe he went around the room and just heard one after another telling how Jesus Christ had changed their lives by his grace. Luke says that he arrived and he witnessed the grace of God. And he encouraged them with a resolute heart to remain, to persevere. The, these missionaries had started well, and this church had started well, but Barnabas knew that walking with Jesus for the long haul requires perseverance, and endurance, a long obedience in the same direction. So he encouraged them. He spurred them on because he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Oh, that somebody could visit Redeemer and witness the grace of God. No matter what color you are, no matter where you're from, no matter how educated you've been, that we're one in Christ Jesus. There's white folk here, and there's black folk here, and there's brown folk here. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight somebody could come to Redeemer and witness the grace of God. That we're all one in Jesus Christ. And if they wanted, they could go around the room and every one of us could tell a story of God's grace to us. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Well, another thing about this church and their vibrancy in verse 25, and he, Barnabas, left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And Tarsus was to the west of Antioch, and Saul who he had introduced to the church in Jerusalem for the last, the scholars think, five, six, maybe even seven years, had been off doing ministry um, that we don't know about. We do know that in Galatians chapter 1, it says that he went throughout Syria and uh, Cilicia, preaching Christ. But other than that, we don't know exactly what he had been up to. But Barnabas goes and he finds him. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I'm not so sure it has anything to do with the text, but at least it's there in verse 21. A large number who believed. Verse 24, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Verse 26, and they taught considerable numbers. Anyway, Barnabas goes and says, boy, this is, this is awesome what God is doing here an international church, his gospel taking root, the grace of God. I'm going to go get Paul, Saul, and he brings him. And for a year, they teach the church. The church is a place that is meant to teach and preach the word of God. We're meant to gather on Sundays in this place or in small groups that scatter throughout the week around the Word of God to be taught about our God and what He has done and who we are in light of it and what He's calling us to be and to do and the like. But what's interesting about the church is that not only were they marked by life change, but they were marked by distinctive living. Their testimony in Antioch was significant. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Most everybody believes they were called Christians by the non-Christian people of Antioch. Christ ones... Little Christs. Because these people didn't just huddle up and talk about Jesus amongst themselves. They gathered and then they scattered to where they lived, where they worked, where they played. And everywhere they went, apparently, they talked about Christ and they followed by means of their lifestyle Christ so much so that they earned a nickname Christian Christ one they lived a distinctive life I'm not so sure that we're going to be given a different nickname here in Katy. <clears throat> but this is a challenge to us. This is an encouragement to us. <coughs> Excuse me, that stuff I've been dealing with. That we gather and then we scatter. And we scatter. To live a life by his grace, filled with a spirit, distinct from the kind of life that's generally lived out there. A life that's different. A life that's distinctive. A life that lets our light shine. Because we're people of love. We're people of joy. We're people of patience, and kindness. We're people of generosity. We're people of purity. We're people of honesty. We're people of grace. Finally, they are generous people is this legit Barnabas go check it out and what did Barnabas find He found the grace of God Their lives have been changed There was a oneness to them And there was the grace of God evident in their lives Another thing is that they through the teaching ministry of Saul and Barnabas and the equipping and the sending, they, were, they talked about Christ and they followed Christ in such a way that the, the unbelieving of Antioch nicknamed them. Those are people of Jesus. And then they are generous. Verse 27. Now at this time, some of the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine... All over the world. Probably the idea all over that part of the world, the then known world of the Mediterranean region. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. So there's a need. Prophet comes down to Antioch. You always went down from Jerusalem, whether you were heading north, east, south, or west. So you would go down to Antioch. And the prophet comes and Makes known that there's going to be a famine. And probably makes known that it's going to be rough in Jerusalem. In verse 29 in the proportion that any of the disciples had means. Each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. Isn't that awesome. Whenever um, the Samaritans remember half Jews, half Assyrian. So you have the Jews, and then you have the Samaritans, half bloods. And the the Jews worshipped at Jerusalem, and we worship at Mount Gerizim. And the Jews believed all of the Old Testament was the word of God, and yet the Samaritans just believed the Pentateuch. There were seven hundred years of enmity. And Philip goes and preaches the gospel, and they believe. And the Jerusalem church is going, wow, what? Who did what? They send Peter and John. And if you remember way back in chapter 8, God did something unique. He he withheld his spirit. So Philip preached, the the Samaritans believed, but God withheld his spirit until Peter and John came from Jerusalem, talked with Philip, talked with the believers there, and realized this is awesome what God is doing. And Peter and John laid their hands on the Samaritans, and they received the Spirit at that moment. Now, I think God did that intentionally, there was the possibility, the, the, the very real possibility, that if, that if things didn't go as they did, you could have had a Jerusalem Christianity and a Samaritan Christianity. And So God didn't want that. He wanted to teach with a very, very clear picture to his people that, that we are one in Christ Jesus. And so on this particular occasion, he withholds his spirit until Peter and John come, and they laid their hands on the Samaritans. They didn't touch each other. 700 years of enmity. God, should we call down fire upon the Samaritans? And yet here's Peter and John putting their hands on them. Yes, we are one in Christ Jesus. And God gives his spirit. I think this is pretty similar to that. This is an international church made up of predominantly Gentiles hearing about their Jewish brothers and sisters going through a hard time, and they say, let's put together some of our money and let's send it up there to let them know we're one in Christ Jesus. So they were a generous church, and they wanted to show that their oneness in Christ is not something they were just going to talk about, but it was something that they were going to show by meeting needs and loving their brothers and sisters in Christ. One other application of this that many make and I like is that here was a church, this church separated by 300 miles And it doesn't always have to be that far away. It could sometimes be shorter or further. But here's a church that is saying, you know what? We're stewards of what God's entrusted to us to be a blessing to others, even other churches. And sometimes you don't see that. You often see churches in competition with one another. And yet in light of this, you'll see some talk about churches who are Antioch-related to others, or Antioch churches, or the spirit of Antioch. It's a church that's friends with other churches and says, if we can help you, let us know. And we so enjoy those kind of relationships here in Katy. We've been blessed by other churches. If you remember back in Hurricane Harvey, our church, I think, following the spirit of Antioch, Cinco ranch Church of Christ got flooded and needed a place for their preschool, and so we hosted them. And Cross Community Church needed a place to worship and we hosted them for a couple of Sundays. Those kinds of things are just awesome. We're when hurricane hit in Mexico. And Antonio and Becky had some friends of a church down there and needed some help. You all put together some money. Those kinds of things are really cool. So we need to close. But here's the simple hope that I have. May it be so of us. May it be so of us that someone could come here and say, wow, the grace of God is evident there. Wow, those people live a distinctive life for Christ, not just within the church walls, but as they scatter. They talk of Christ and they follow Christ. They are Christ ones. And they're a generous people as God gives them opportunities, and as God gives them means, they'll help others who are in need. May it be so of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the grace of God. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God for by grace you have been saved. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, having been justified by God, we have peace. With God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have been introduced into this grace in which we stand. Oh, Lord, every good thing we have from you is a gift of your grace. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself to the praise of the glory of his grace. Oh God, may we Never forget that we are saved by grace. We stand in grace. We live by grace. It's all to the glory of your grace. May this be a place of the grace of God. And Lord, as we dismiss May we do so filled with your spirit, and as we scatter all over this city, be a distinctive people. May the light of Christ shine through us where we live, work, play, and passion. And Lord, as opportunities come our way, would you help us to be generous? generous, and we'll pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Before you leave, a couple of things. If you're here today and you do not know, if you have been reconciled to God, you do not know if you've experienced the forgiveness of sins and made a part of his family. If, if God is stirring in you and you'd like to visit with somebody about that, I'm here. I would love to visit with you, or I can hook you up with somebody else who would love to visit with you about that. Secondly, again, if you're new to Redeemer and like to join us for the newcomer lunch, please join us next Sunday. It'll be right after the worship service. Your kiddos are invited. And then finally, I'm going to try to start saying something different as we leave here on Sunday mornings. And uh, I give you permission to correct me when I mess it up. Not only do I want to say that you are loved because you are. But I want to stop saying simply that you are dismissed. And I want to say that you are sent. We gather and then we scatter. You are sent. You are sent into the world where God is at work. You were sent where you live, where you work, where you play, where you're passionate. You were sent to be the light of the world. May God bless you. You are loved and you are sent. We'll see you soon.